1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. It is time. It is time. They can't be
2: inside. hackers. No. Are you crazy? You're listening to Cheese and Packers, a project powered by the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm your host, JJ Leahy. Follow me on Twitter at JJLAHEY to stay up to date on all things Packers or to submit questions for this podcast. Patreon.com slash JJ Leahy is where you can support this show, which I work pretty hard at. I appreciate everyone who has been chipping in. I know times are a little bit tight. Uh, and I know the Packers are not the most fun in the world to watch right now. So I appreciate your continued passion and uh, support of not only the Packers, but also me and this podcast. Listen, I did it. I solved it. I know what's wrong with the Packers. They do suck. I figured out why. Uh, it's it's not rocket science. It's something we kind of have all known. But man, I've been doing a lot of thinking Uh, Since the Dallas Cowboys game, where like we got clear, obvious proof that the Packers can play well if they want to. And then we saw what happened against Tennessee, and it wasn't super surprising that they did that against Tennessee. But man, I've been doing so much thinking, and I really have achieved a point of clarity on what's going wrong with the Packers. And so I'm going to tell you what's wrong with the Packers. I'm also going to pitch to you how I think you solve it. Part of this clarity came for me during a conversation that I was fortunate enough to have with Chris Jackie, former uh, Packers kicker, Super Bowl champion from the 90s. Uh, He came and um, did an interview With me and with Gil Martin, my co-host for No Huddle Radio, Uh, the full interview with Chris is going to come out on this week's podcast uh, over on No Huddle, and I hope you will go listen to it. But I'm going to play a segment from it here because um, on the No Huddle Radio podcast, we're not going to do a big deep dive into what Chris said. We're just going to play our conversation with Chris and then get into our game preview so this podcast is where I kind of want to dive into um, a, a expansion of my conversation, uh, or I should say a portion of my conversation with Chris. Because I asked Chris a question. Um, I had the, a, a suspicion about what I thought was wrong with the team. I asked Chris a question that I thought might lead him in that direction, and he confirmed exactly what was in my head. And it it was just this, it was a a nice moment for me to finally be able to put away a lot of the distraction about the roster being imperfect. Because we know that the roster is imperfect, but (laughs) every team around the league has an imperfect roster. We all have flaws. I think that, yes, the Packers' flaws with their roster do uniquely feed into some of their greatest weaknesses. But I still think you could overcome that. And they did against the Cowboys because they cared. Here is a snippet of our conversation with Chris. One thing that um, you talked about last time you were on the show that really stuck with me was kind of toppling the notion that was built up in my head about how much the coaches factor into the leadership. And, you know, you kind of dismissed that and said it really is all about the player leadership to what extent does the coaching, you know, factor into into leadership at all? I mean, certainly, uh, you know, for a lot of us as fans, we look at, you know, Andy Reid or Bill Belichick uh, or you know Mike Tomlin and and the sort of gravitas that they have, and and you think that well they run a really tight ship. It really stuck with me last time you were on here that you were pretty much poo-pooing any impact that like the special teams coordinator could have on special teams and saying, I don't really care about that. Talk to me about the veteran players who are, are going to be motivating the guys.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, leadership from a coach, and you, you brought up Bill Belichick, comes from game planning, you know, knowing your opponents. And I, you know, I touch on it every week and I dread it. Every time we go into halftime, we have the worst halftime adjustment coaching staff, I think, in the league. I, I, that that it, way. I mean it, it, it does and you know that's where the coaching leadership comes from but as far as the players I mean it, your coach is more or less your boss in, in, in these in, in this respect um, and that's where you got to look to a Reggie White or Leroy Butler, and those guys have got to hold the players accountable. And you, like you said, we touched on that last time. So, you know, I don't know how much – I mean, even Mike Holmgren and our coaching staff, you know, they knew they had guys in the locker room to hold everyone accountable, even off the field. I mean, it was – you didn't do anything stupid off the field either because, I mean, obviously Green Bay is a city of about 12. <laughs> <laughs> what, joking, you, didn't you couldn't man. do anything without all the guys, and you hung out with the guys. So it was – um, we kept each other accountable. You did that in practice. You did that during the game, at halftime, off the field, you know, et etc. Do, do you think this team misses the leadership of a
2: guy like Zadarius Smith, who seemed to energize the team when he came in 2019 and seemed, at least to me as an outsider looking in, as someone who
1: did hold his teammates accountable? Is that that Viking guy now? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you yeah, know I, I just I don't know enough of what goes on in you know in everything we're talking about leadership. It, it you, you know I could be completely off base. Everything I'm saying, I just I'm looking from the outside in and you know I'm not a player anymore, I'm a fan, so I like to complain like everybody else and come up with conspiracy theories on why they're not playing well. And and that's my conspiracy theory that there's just not leadership and you know the things that players have done and we can we pretty much know who they are you know, what they're doing in the off season, you know, what they're doing, you know, I don't even, yeah, I don't know how much oh, I want to yeah. go into that. They don't present themselves very well.
2: All right. So I recorded the intro of my podcast by myself and I was not planning on bringing my daughter into the studio as a gimmick or anything, but, um, mama has to leave and baby has to stay here and she's got like, what, five more minutes. Yeah. About five more minutes until our nap. So we're gonna hang out here. We'll see if she'll stay quiet while we talk. Um, but listen, I think I think my daughter even. Wait, you guys would say? Yeah, you even know about the leadership issues with this team. Aaron Rodgers is not the kind of leader that many of the great uh, Hall of Fame franchise quarterbacks who consistently dominate year after year, regardless of the situation around them, have been. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning come to mind immediately as the types of leaders. Now, that's fine. I think Aaron Rodgers is a phenomenal quarterback. I think that at times his leadership is fine. When the, when the team is winning, when they're not really facing adversity, He seems like a really fun guy to be around. Certainly there are players on the roster who have been motivated and inspired by him to become great. Devontae Adams has talked at length about that. No question about it. But you can't look at this team and the way they play and feel like they have any leadership to them. I think Rashawn Gary tries very hard to be a leader. I think that he is leadership caliber i think i think the way that he leads by example with his his tremendous work ethic the locker room speeches that he gives the sideline motivation where he goes up to these guys you know there was a clip who was it was it matthew judon I'm trying to remember a couple couple weeks ago um everybody was sharing it um there were there were two linemen for the ravens and the the veteran went over to the young guy and was like, dude, do you know who you are? They can't stop you. Go out there and dominate. It reminds me of uh, Derrick Henry having a conversation with Eddie George, one of the all-time greats. And Derrick Henry had this weak, you know, BS start to his career. And Eddie George, former... Tennessee Titans legend is telling them, I I don't know what you're doing out there. Letting yourself get pushed around. You are so much stronger than all these defenders you're going up against. Punish them. And so these two Ravens linemen were having that same conversation. You know, it's it's that Charles Woodson. Elevating guys around you, holding guys to a standard. It's Reggie White in the 90s. Players were afraid of letting Reggie down. They played their butts off because they didn't want to let Reggie down. They didn't want to face him in the locker room and have him come over and say, you are not doing what it takes. You're not pulling your weight. You are letting us down. You're letting me down. They were terrified of Reggie White in terms of terrified of disappointing him. I conducted an experiment. I tweeted to my um, very active Packers following uh, asking them to rank the top five leaders among the Packers' current players. A couple people misunderstood the question and thought it was like, you know, who is who is the uh, uh, leader in receiving yards? And like, okay, no, I'm talking about – obviously, I'm talking about leadership. So I got the answers. Um Going through these, you, you, you kind of see the problem kind of immediately. I'm, I'm going to list some of these replies. Kevin says, Jones, Cobb, Preston Smith, Jair Alexander, and the fifth spot is too hard right now. David says, Aaron Jones, Randall Cobb, David Bakhtiari, Mercedes Lewis, Kenny Clark. Nate says, Jones, Watson, um, um, um. I don't know if, if Christian Watson as a rookie can be a leader. I, I I don't think that you can be a franchise leader as a, as a rookie. Baby agrees with me here. Uh, let's see here. Sean says, trick question. There isn't one. Yeah, baby agrees. Dan says, Jones, Bakhtiari, Alexander, Rogers, Gary. Again, I, I do think Rashawn Gary is a huge leader for the team, but he's also gone now. Shaky Guns, Aaron Jones, Bakhtiari, Cobb, Devondre Campbell, Rodgers, in parentheses he wrote, somewhat, but who really knows? Bruce says, can't believe no one is saying Mercedes Lewis, but I think he's number one. Bakhtiari, Cobb, and Campbell are definitely up there. Crosby probably rounds out my top five. Alrighty, time for you to go down for your nap. Say goodbye. yeah tell you what you take a nap i'll record a podcast all right we'll be right back
0: we all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing but they also can be amazingly distracting especially when we're around other people about seeing what you could potentially get right now you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arena club.com slash pack Wow. That's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arena club.com slash pack for 10% off your first purchase.
2: Learn more at marines.com. Let's run through a couple more names, That uh, I'm not going to go through like the top fives anymore because it's a lot of the same. Like Everybody pretty much put Aaron Jones on here. Um, Mercedes Lewis is pretty much always here. David Bakhtiari, frequent on here. Uh, Rashawn Gary. Here's a Lazard. Here's, uh, let's see, uh, Adrian Amos, Rasul Douglas, Devondre Campbell, Bob says, Mercedes Lewis and Randall Cobb are all I can come up with. Rashawn Gary at number one for Austin. He left two, three, and four blank. And then he put number five is Rasul Douglas. Parentheses, needs more time to get angrier. Uh, Mason Crosby. Mason Crosby. Elton Jenkins. I don't know, man. What do you think? (laughs) You think leadership is a problem? The fans can't come up with it. Out of curiosity... Uh, I went and talked to fan bases for quite a few other teams. I went on uh, some message boards and I posed the same question to fans of the 49ers fans of the Ravens. Um, I was just looking for, uh, you know, who's winning uh, who's kind of perennially dominant or semi dominant, dominant teams. Not that, that the 49ers are having, like, the best year ever, but you don't get the sense that, like, everything over there is just a complete and utter disaster from top to bottom. I even did, uh, see, I did the Dolphins, did the Eagles, the Bills. I even did the Carolina Panthers because there's been a lot of hype around the idea that the, uh, you know, Panthers shipped off Christian McCaffrey, who was one of their best players. And seemingly got better after he left. And, and the media likes to talk about how the Panthers have a culture that is improving. I just was curious what the answers were. Uh, Cam Irving, Shaq Thompson, uh, let's see here, uh, Jeremy Chin, Brian Burns, Frankie Louvu, uh, Cam Irving, let's see, J.C. Horn. Uh, DJ. Everybody, everybody likes DJ. Looks like the general consensus is, though, that they don't have any, you know, true, actual, dominant top dogs who really do command intense respect from the locker room. It kind of gets spoken about by the players and by the fans in a similar vein to how the Packers leaders are spoken about. That like. Oh yeah, no, no. uh, You guys don't see it, but, but we all, you know, we all know that this guy actually is a real leader. Okay. Well, he's not really backing it up on the field. He's not, we, we don't see him holding guys to task on the sideline the way you do for a lot of teams, the way that like Peyton Manning did back in the day, the way Tom Brady does. Yeah. Obviously Tom Brady and Peyton Manning are like the gold standard and, Sure, I'm I'm being a little silly probably in trying to demand that we have a Reggie White. He's once in a generation. But when the best you can come up with for who are the leaders of your team, when the best you can come up with is Mercedes Lewis, Randall Cobb, Mason Crosby, uh, David Bakhtiari, who kind of hasn't really played in two years. Uh, Well, I guess that's not fair. He really only missed a year. He's been playing a lot this year, but my point is, like, the locker room does have a leadership issue. Can the coach be a factor in that? I think that that a great coach does have a lot of influence with their leadership. You look at uh, Mike Vrabel, No question, that man is the face of the, the Tennessee Titans franchise. Very charismatic leader. Clearly, uh, he sets the tone for what he expects out of this team. No doubt about it. You look at uh, guys over the last few years who probably were big locker room guys. Devondre last year clearly had a big impact. Uh, Adrian Amos I think, has been a leader for a bunch of years. He's playing like garbage this year. Kind of hard to respect and look up to a guy and be afraid of him in the locker room if you're annoyed with him for giving up big plays. Adrian Amos leads the NFL in safeties give or in, in touchdowns given up by a safety. Not good. Aaron Rodgers has the sixth most fumbles in the NFL. He has seven interceptions compared to 19 touchdowns. That's 2.71 touchdowns for every interception. It's not terrible, but it's certainly not up to his standard. And yes, I know he's playing through a broken thumb. I get it. But if you are looking for a guy to be the leader, you're looking for a guy like T.J. Watt. The Steelers' defense is one of the best in the NFL when T.J. Watt is on the field. They're one of the worst in the NFL when he's not. He's absolutely instrumental in that team's success. But we saw Aaron Rodgers absolutely motivate and move this team against the Dallas Cowboys. Aaron Rodgers desperately wanted to beat Mike McCarthy. He wanted to beat the Cowboys. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Rodgers is uh he's either nine and one or ten and one against the Cowboys. I think he was nine and one going into that game. He's 10 and one against the Cowboys in his career. He loathes the Cowboys. He plays quite well against them. I think one of the reasons why he struggles against the 49ers is because I think he does have a bit of a complex about them. He was a big fan growing up. They passed on him. I think he always has uh, had some, some resentment towards them, but also I I would imagine, I I think it would be hard not to have some feelings of inferiority. When you think about this team that passed on you, this team that has, you know, whipped you up and down the field a couple times now. I think going into that game, he probably does have some insecurities about the 49ers. He doesn't play well against them. And when Charles Woodson was on this team, it made a big difference. Charles Woodson was definitely the kind of guy that you were afraid of in the locker room. Now I'm not saying that you we need somebody on this team to just be a psychopath. And terrify everybody, but you should be terrified to let somebody on the team down. There should be a guy or two on the team who is going to hold you to a standard and demand the best from you. You know, Robert Tunyon tells a story about David Bakhtiari a couple of years ago. This was at, uh, it was either a Thanksgiving party or a Christmas party. I think it was a Thanksgiving party. Fitting for uh, this week. And the guys were all hanging around the table. They were joking and have a good time. And all of a sudden, Bakhtiari turns to Tanyan and just quietly tells him, hey, you are letting us down on the field. You're not playing up to your ability. You're a liability for us. It's huge. I think Bakhtiari does have some of that gravitas that is needed to lead the team. He certainly has demonstrated it at times in the past. Adrian Amos, I think, has demonstrated that. We know that Zadarius did. For sure. I think that Zadarius got really weird and goofy toward the end. I don't know everything that was going on in the locker room, but he was acting like a nut. Everybody outside the program could see it. The teammates of his didn't vote him as a captain because they didn't really feel like he was deserving of being a captain. A lot of people are trying to point to Jair as like a leader for this team. I don't get it, man. I don't like he's. I don't think that he's that caliber of leader. I think he's a good player for sure. I'm sure there are players on this team who respect him. You know, but a lot of a lot of when he talks about his feelings about the team. it Sounds a lot like Aaron Rodgers. You know, he's talking about like. Inspiring himself and talking about, yeah, well, other guys just are not on my level. They don't care the way I care. Do you think that that means that he's holding them accountable in the locker room? With the way the secondary is playing, I can't imagine Jair is holding his teammates accountable. If he was, they'd be playing better. They're not playing well. The corners are playing down. The safeties are horrific bottom of the barrel. Putrid, terrible football players. And nobody is getting in their face and demanding excellence of them. And I think that really is the difference. I think the team is disillusioned. I think they don't have the leadership that they need from a player standpoint. There have been guys that were brought in this year that have turned around special teams. Rudy Ford, Dallin Levitt both come to mind. Keyshawn Nixon. You know, these were guys that Rich Passaccia really liked because of their caliber of play, because of how much he trusts them, because of their leadership. He talked about that specifically with Rudy, with uh, with uh, Dallin Levitt, And I think it's made a big difference. Special teams plays better. They wrap up and tackle better. Now, they're still committing penalties at a really high rate. That's that's massive. I think that they they need to be held to a higher standard than that with all these stupid penalties. I don't think the culture is good in Green Bay right now. There's there's players who will disagree with that. You know, and Aaron Rodgers will talk about a really good week of practice. But we can't ignore some of these signs. Why did Devontae Adams demand a trade? He flat out refused to come back. We know he was one of the leaders who was holding guys accountable and responsible in the locker room on offense. We know that. He said I'm done I'm out of here. We don't know why. I'm not sure I want to know why. I'm not sure I want <laughs> Devonte to come out and tell us exactly what his beef was. But it wasn't just that he wanted to play with his friend. He also wanted out of Green Bay. You know, the way that the relationship was handled with him clearly was a problem. He was frustrated with how the contract talks went, but That's not a reason to leave just because some upper level management that you never interact with isn't working quickly enough to give you a financial offer that is good enough for you. That's not a reason to leave. And they did in the end offer him more money than the Raiders paid him. He wanted out of the locker room. I don't know what his relationship was like with the coaches. I don't know what his relationship was like with Aaron at the end. That's not for us to know. They keep that quiet. They don't talk about it in any kind of negative light publicly. I'm not going to speculate that his relationship with Aaron was bad. I don't have any reason to think it was bad. But I know that there was something about this team that Devontae wanted no part of anymore. And he's not the only example. He's not. This Zedarius thing has been... it, It was bonkers from... You know the beginning of the twenty twenty one season. Zadarius was acting like a nutcase, just being weird. His teammates didn't want to talk about him. Uh, what the heck is up with that captain chain he ordered? Like that's that's psychotic behavior. He goes to Minnesota. I'm not saying that it's the Packers that were the problem, and that Zadarius really was normal and nice all along but they sure like him in minnesota we liked him for a couple of years here in green bay things got weird and things got weird with Devontae, which is a shame and and i i was in favor of moving on from Devontae because i didn't want to pay him that much money because i didn't want the team to be unable to have a good enough roster i didn't want to squander the future i think I would rather have Devontae here because we did all that anyways. We spent all the money. We're still in a bad cap situation. We still don't have the talent across the board that we really need. I got a lot of questions and frustrations about the Packers right now. I do. You've never heard me talk about the Packers with this much frustration and angst before. Because in the past, I've had a lot of confidence in, In the leadership of the team from the top down. I really have. But I don't like the way that they are. Not putting together. Contingency plans the way they can't seem to adapt. You know, Chris Jackie was talking about how we have the worst. Halftime adjustments like ever. (laughs) And nobody can disagree. Second half is almost always worse for us than the first half. It's. It's one of the many things that has me questioning Matt LaFleur. I like Matt LaFleur a lot. I really do. I do have one really big concern with him. And that is the way he hires coaches. His first coaching staff was great. There were a couple of problems with it. The uh, wide receivers coach, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. I've said it 80 times. Uh Alvis Witted. He sucked. They shipped him off after one year, replaced him with Jason Vrabel, who I think has done a pretty good job. I think the uh, wide receivers have largely overperformed their talent level ever since Vrabel got here. But since then, he's, Matt LaFleur just keeps hiring his buddies or just guys that he knows. You know, Jerry Gray I thought was a really cool hire. And I think most of us like Jerry Gray, despite the fact that the secondary has kind of always underperformed since he got here. Now he did get the the best year ever out of Jair in 2020. No doubt about that, but the safeties have been kind of a problem since he got here. Uh, we had obviously huge issues with Kevin King, big issues with Eric Stokes. I think we're ignoring issues with Rasul Douglas's play. I think Rasul is a good player, but I mean, the, the secondary as a whole is, is a mess and Jair is not having a good year. I didn't think he had a particularly good la- year last year. I'm not doubting the caliber of player that he is, but the results that we're getting out of all these guys, I mean, come on. And the defense is a mess. Joe Barry should not have gotten a second year. When you are 22nd in the league in DV away with the talent we have on this roster, that's ridiculous and absurd. Sean Menenga was a horrible hire for special teams coordinator. Mo Drayton, actually, before I get to Mo Drayton, Sean Menenga should not have gotten a second year. Matt LaFleur is way too lenient with guys who are clearly in over his head, over their head. Mo Drayton was a, a, a di- horrific, disaster hire that I called out as an idiotic move before it happened. We all had big problems with Mike Pettin coming back for the 2020 season. Now, with all these guys—not the special teams coaches—but with with Joe Barry, with Mike Pettin, I'm way more lenient. All right, I'm I'm giving them a lot more chances. I'm I'm frequently saying like, ah, you know what? I I, I do like Joe Barry. I do like Mike Pettin. I think that I think they they can get things turned around. And I'm wrong when I say that. Matt Lafleur needs to be smarter than me. That's for sure. <laughs> you don't want me making these decisions and saying, yeah, you know what? Let's give Mike Pettin another year. I really have problems with the way that Matt LaFleur hires coaches and I don't have confidence in him to pick a special teams or I, I mean a defensive coordinator for 2023 that can get the job done. He's 0-2 on special on defensive coordinators. And I think that, you know, we're on we're on his third special teams coordinator and and obviously there were special circumstances around the Rich Passaccia hire, but okay, let's find, let's, let's lump that one in and, and just call it a win. You're still one and two in special teams coordinators. I don't have confidence in him to hire the right guy. I think coming into this season, there was a lot of reason to expect the Packers to have a really slow start. I said it would probably take him a good five games to really get the offense going. Reasons for that, well, obviously the wide receiver turnover. Obviously the offensive line shuffling. Obviously all of the new pieces to the offensive coaching staff that you had to shuffle around. But it's getting worse, not better. Because they had a slow start, which I think we all should have expected, and I did expect it. But I did not expect the team to respond to adversity in the way that they did, which was to crumple and fold. And Robert Tunyon told us after the 49ers lost last year that this is how they respond to adversity, that they even when they have 13 wins, they don't believe in themselves, that they just think that they're a bunch of losers. Well, you start losing to some not great teams, You go go have an overtime win over a third-string quarterback for the Patriots. You lose confidence in yourself. You lose to the Giants. You lose even more confidence to yourself. And then you can't win anymore because you don't believe you can win, because you don't believe in yourself. You don't believe in your teammates. You're not playing for your teammates. That's all this is. That's all that it is. They faced some adversity early on in the season. They came in with a roster that wasn't quite good enough, but they should have been able to overcome. They had issues on offense that, yeah, the the offense had a slow start. As we all expected. But then they folded like a lawn chair. They didn't respond to adversity. They didn't play for each other. Add in... A, a coaching staff that has some real issues, a defensive coordinator that <laughs> just calls a mess week after week after week and constantly gets below expectations play from really dominant players. Yeah, If you're trying to list Kenny Clark as a guy who's supposed to be a leader for this team, the dude has been playing like garbage. So I don't know who would listen to him. Yeah, the roster has issues, but they should be able to overcome this. They should. And and if they had good leadership in the in the locker room and if they played for each other and if they had guys holding each other accountable, I think that they would respond to this kind of adversity and play through it. The Lions are on a 3-game winning streak. The Lions have not won 3 games in the last 5 years, not 3 consecutive games. The Packers came out and played one really good game against the Cowboys because Aaron Rodgers was so motivated to beat the Cowboys. He played his heart out. He had a fantastic game. He's throwing through a broken thumb, and he is out there throwing a shoulder to block Micah Parsons to get an extra yard for Aaron Jones. I mean, he laid it all out there. He wanted that win so desperately. And then four, five days later, you see what happens when you don't have a guy like Aaron Rodgers out there leading by example and demanding the best of everybody around you because you need that win so badly because you are not going to lose to Mike McCarthy. The second that that motivation is gone, the team goes right back to their old tricks. And I don't think that Matt LaFleur is a good enough leader to pull this team out of a slump. I think that he does a really good job game planning a lot of the time. Uh, I I have more questions this year than I usually do about his ability to game plan. Maybe he's too distracted with uh, trying to solve all these issues with the team. I don't think he's getting the job done. I'm not calling for Matt LaFleur to be fired. I am saying that the job he's doing is insufficient right now. And he needs to be better. And I think that going forward we should have some more veterans. I think I think we should bring in some more guys who are just really dominant, respected leaders. I think it's great that we have Rashawn. I think that a guy like Randall Cobb is a benefit to the team. I think you need more of that. I think you need more guys who are respected. You know, I, I don't know if Julio Jones was going to make any kind of a difference. But I think Julio would command more respect than Sammy Watkins has commanded. Now, I don't know what they're going to do for 2023. I really don't. I, I I I think that there's a lot that needs to be fixed. I think they're trying to just bring everybody back and run it back again with just some more little minor changes here or there or or, you know, <laughs> it's not going to do anything. And this whole pie in the sky, maybe we can trade and get Devonte back here. Okay, give me a break. If you did that, you're not fixing anything. I'm not going to quit watching the Packers. I, I love the Packers. I love watching them. Even when they stink, I'm still going to turn the game on and watch it. But if they don't have a plan for the future, I'm not going to spend... <laughs> this ungodly amount of time every week recording two podcasts about them. I'm just going to sit in my chair and just watch them passively as a fan. They're not doing enough right now as as a as a team, you know, playing for each other to be worth my time recording two podcasts a week about them. Game previewing for. Them. I mean, it it is really frustrating to put a lot of, ta- of time into scouting the upcoming opponent, and figuring out how you attack them, laying out a winning formula on a podcast for, here's how you dismantle the Dallas Cowboys, for example, or here's how you dismantle the Detroit Lions. And then the Packers just go out there and just don't do anything. It's exhausting. I'm going to be honest. I actually have not given up on the Packers season at this point the NFL is still so garbage that the Packers could still obviously put it together and, and go on a run and and get into the playoffs. And if they did that, then I think that they are playing well enough that they should be expected to actually make some noise in the playoffs. I really have not given up on the season. I think any moment they could turn it around and start playing better, but I don't think that's coming unless and until, Guys on the team take ownership and start demanding excellence of their teammates. So my big question is, do we have anybody on the roster who is capable of that? I think that Rashawn should have been that when he was healthy, but he's no longer healthy. And, you know, you can love Rashawn all you want, but if he's not out there on the field, then he can't be leading on the field. In 2022, the guy is not Rashawn. Going forward, I absolutely think Rashawn Gary is going to be the face of the franchise the second Aaron Rodgers retires or or whatever happens to end his tenure here in Green Bay. The second he's done, Rashawn is the face of the franchise. No question about it. I love Rashan. Just saying in 2022, he's not on the field. He can't lead on the field because he's not there. And I don't know who is out there that can do that. Maybe it's Devondre. Maybe Preston finds it within himself. You know, maybe it is a guy like Jair or Bakhtiari or <laughs> maybe it is rookie Christian Watson. It should be Aaron Rodgers. And we saw against the Cowboys that he is capable of doing that for a game. I don't know why he's not doing it for the rest of the season. You know, he he says, I'm not a rah-rah guy. That's not my leadership style. Well, man, your leadership style right now is not getting the best out of your teammates. I get that you got a broken thumb. Yeah, I get frustrated with you sometimes when you don't see a wide open guy or when you throw an inaccurate pass. But the biggest thing that you can do for this team is elevate the guys around you, demand the best of them. Change your leadership style to actually get results from your teammates. They're looking for a leader and they don't have one right now. It's not coming from the coaches, it's not coming from the quarterback. It's not coming from any of the other veteran players. This is what is missing. And the Packers are going to continue to suck unless and until somebody on the roster motivates and inspires and moves the guys around him. Maybe maybe we don't have that guy. If we don't, then that needs to be priority 1A going forward is figure out how to stock this roster with leaders. I love that we have guys who are talented football players. But they're not playing their best. They are not showing up and giving their all when the chips are down. And they are certainly not demanding that of their teammates. I just think that the culture in Green Green Bay is broken right now. And it's going to have to be fixed. So it's going to have to come from the guys who are there. Or the guys who are there are going to have to leave. And we're going to have to get new guys who can bring about a culture change. That's... That's all there is to it. I love these guys as much as you do, but they're not playing up to up to their potential. And that's a leadership problem.